0: The subject of morality, immorality today is running out of control. It is time that you and I stand up and demand purity, number one, from our own selves, starts inside these walls individually, but demanding purity for ourselves and those around us. And this morning I want to present to you three things and three areas that we must demand purity for ourselves and those around us. And number one being personal speech. Number two, being modesty. Number three, sexual activity. Because those three things either cause one or the other or other multiple sins. And we need to be aware of those things. This morning, I want each of us to be more resolved to demand purity in our own personal situation. And our aim this morning is to reinforce in the mind of each of us as Christians the need for demanding that purity. In Titus chapter 2, as read just a moment ago in 11 through 15, but also, Paul writing to the young, or to Tim, uh, Titus here, you go back up in verse 8, and he says, Sound speech. He says in verse 7, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he is the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you or us. You know who the us is there? We Christians. Those who are in the Lord's church. Let no one have evil to say about us. And in verses 11 through 15... The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, now watch it, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. Three things here, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And when you do those things, you will be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on and writes to young Timothy, or Titus here, and Titus writes, he says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Paul says here and teaches that the grace of God teaches us these things. It teaches us that we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. It teaches us that we are to live to reiterate again soberly, righteously, and godly. Our situation today, this is really not the only three things that we need to stand up for or demand purity. There's other issues as well. But basic morality is eroding away and has eroded away in our society. We actually live in the Super Bowl display, if you will. And what I mean by that, that it's okay, the great event of the year, the Super Bowl, it's okay to some to cancel worship services. It's okay to, to, to hey, can, oh, as long as you're watching the Super Bowl, you're okay. As long as you're spending time with family or or even on the Super Bowl, the the immorality that's shown in a lot of the the commercials or even the halftime entertainment. That's the world we live in today. The battle is far over. At one point, they said on television that you couldn't use the F word. Well, that's just part of it. You see, we categorize our speech. Oh, I would never use God's name in vain, but I'll say all these other words. Or I'll say all these other things. Many have forgotten common decency. We need to remind our young people and remind ourselves that we must demand purity first with ourselves on the issues of demanding on our personal speech. When I was growing up, we didn't hear bad language on TV. I remember when it first started coming in, different things. But let me say this morning that it is sinful. Let me reiterate that. It is sinful For the Christian person to use foul language, it is not okay. And I don't care whether you are a football coach, I don't care whether you're a baseball coach, I don't care whether you are whatever, even the golf coach. It gives you no right to use foul language. Common decency. And when we're seeing it, businesses, if you can think about it, you think about businesses. Those of you who've worked for businesses. Those who may have owned your own businesses. They recognize that using foul language is bad for business. You wouldn't go out into a customer, those of you who work in businesses, and you wouldn't go out and you wouldn't use curse words because why? They're gonna call in and what? Report you. They're gonna say, so and so come to to fix my whatever and they used a terrible foul language whether they use it or don't use it. They're gonna say, well that don't look good for that company. And you're not gonna do it because why? The company's going to take and write you up, eventually fire you if you don't stop. Using foul language is a bad habit, number one. Using foul language is something that we try to, to make ourselves look bigger in the eyes of other people. I can always say that I played football under a coach that never cursed one time that I ever heard him. Not one time. But there's something about the pitcher in the sports world and other things that say, oh, you have to do that to be a good coach or to be a good whatever. You don't have to. We don't have to do that. When we're angry with someone in our family or in our home or at work or whatever, we don't have to use those types of words to reinforce that we're angry. What it shows is our inability to express ourselves to let people know that we are upset without using those words. And there's a thing called secondhand profanity. And that's another lesson for another day. But we as Christians and we as as, as young people need to curb these things. We need to let people know that we don't appreciate that type of talk and language around us. I've been faced with that because I am in the sports world. And believe me, those people are, are probably not going to like you. They might even quit coming to church. Or they might even uh, quit talking to you. Or quit inviting you to their, their uh, whatevers. But we as Christians have a responsibility to stand up for what's right. What do we love better? The praise of men. Or serving God? That's the question. The Bible teaches us that foul language is sinful. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, let your speech be always with grace. What? Seasoned with salt. That you may know how you ought to answer every man. He says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt communication or speech proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. There we have a tall responsibility when it comes to our speech. You go on in Ephesians chapter five. It speaks to those same thoughts. You go into the world in which we live and, 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 and it's just rampant. People have no common decency anymore. In Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 3, it says to us but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. You go on to verse 4. He puts it in his list. Neither fornication Now notice it right here. Nor foolish talking, jesting, which are not convenient or befitting, we could say, but rather giving a thanks. And you go down in verse 12. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Now, I'm going to tell you, in the world in which we live, sometimes we hear a whole lot more about people's secret life than we want to hear. And we need to quit sharing it on Facebook, to be honest with you. There's some things we don't want to know about you. And people need to learn that. We need to learn that we need to keep some things at home. When you can't get along with folks, you need to keep it at home. Don't air it out in the public. Work it out with a person who you have a problem with. Our speech needs to be used for edification. And even though you may not be verbally speaking it on social media, you're verbally typing it. (laughs) Let me put it that way. It's just as if you said it. We need to stand on modesty. Television has numbed our mind to immodesty. To be honest with you, we are no longer shocked. We are no longer shocked when we see a woman in lingerie, on television, or whatever the case may be. We're no longer shocked. It doesn't bother us in one sense. We just say, oh, that's how is. It doesn't have to be that way, but it is. We see it in our commercials. We see it in our sitcoms. We see it in our drama plays. In special presentations. And they all continue to push the accepted edge of modesty. If you don't believe me, go to a a high school. Whether it be here or anywhere else. They have what they call a dress code. (laughs) Sometimes we abide by it. Sometimes we don't. But the ones who are trying to abide by it, guess what? They push it right to the edge. How far can I go without crossing the line? And sadly to say, some of our own children are involved in those things. And we need to be careful with that and teach them. We need to teach and demand We need to demand these things in our lives personally, but also around us. We need to let people know that we don't like it. We don't want to hear it. Or do we want to hear it? Or do we want to like it? That's the question. Our society has literally forgot how to blush. Notice what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 15. He's talking about the people of God here. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay. They were not at all ashamed. Neither could they, what? Blush. Blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall at the time that I visit them. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Our Lord is coming back and we're going to be cast down if we continue to not blush. If we continue to just say, oh, it's okay. We as Christians must stand up. You go on into Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 12. The Bible says, Were they ashamed, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Basically the same scripture, that they neither could they blush, neither should they fall among them that fall in time of their visitation. They will be cast down, saith the Lord. We need to be reminded of what God's standard of modesty is. Go visit chapter 3 of the book of Genesis and chapter 21 when the Lord seen that Adam and Eve had eaten and they were naked. What did he do? He clothed them, didn't he? You know, sometimes I want to get on social media and I just want to type one sentence. Parents, put clothes on your kids and leave it. That simple. And we know what those things are. And we need to demand purity in those things. And it's very rampant. And parents, it's up to you. Daddies, it's up to you for your daughters. It's up to you for your sons. It's up to you for your house. That you demand those things. And mamas, it's up to you to respect daddy. When daddy says, my daughter's not going to wear that. Because what we've got is we've got ladies and wives who are ruling the house. And when daddy puts something down and says, this is the way it's going to be, they get all mad. You see, God never intended for the woman to rule the house. God put the man over the house, unlike what society would teach you today. Now, most certainly not ruling with an iron fist and being that dictator. I'm not, I'm not insinuating that. But it's up to you to say yes. And it's up to mama and daddy both to be unified in that home. That's the key. This is how we're going to raise our children, to be modest in their dress, to be modest in their heart, To be modest in their actions and everything that they do in their life. You see, sound doctrine and sound teaching in the church and in the home produces the fruit of sound practice and good works. You see, that's what Paul is writing. That's what produces that. We need to spend more time when you read 1 Peter 3 and 3 through 5. You need to spend more time on the inside of your bodies, young ladies and boys. You need to spend more time on the inside than what you do on the outside. Now, most certainly... Peter's not condemning wearing jewelry and those types of things. But what he is saying is you need to be more concerned about what's on the inside of your heart and the way that you serve God than what you look like on the outside. Because God looks at what is on what? The inside rather than the outside. And when we teach our children to choose mates that way, I guarantee you we'll start having more godlier homes. Look what's on the inside of that person. 1 Timothy 2 9 and 10 teaches us to have shamefacedness, a propriety, one version using, shrinking away from what is inappropriate. Reverence and respect. Last but not least, sexual activities. From our presidents down to the local school teacher. Our society reeks with sexual immorality. Notice from the highest, I guess, down to the lowest. We could go down to teenagers, kids. But I'm going to tell you school systems across America and Jackson County is not excluded. It's all about, I don't know how many people have left their wives and husbands. And now are married who are our school teachers. Now I'm just not jumping on school teachers because I'm one of them. But it seems to be that certain areas or certain schools are more prone to those things. Why is it? It seems that more uh, whatever position that you're in in, in in an industry or business or even the President of the United States or a, a governor or a senator or whoever, why is that? Number one, Satan. He's filled their hearts. They see everything on social media and they sit there and they say, Oh, that looks good. Get your mind to working on it then they see some woman or some man exhibit what they've seen over here and get your mind rolling again. And forgetting all about that woman that you stood in in front of everybody as witnesses to say, I will be with you and be faithful to you no matter what for the rest of my life. To death do us part. When we finally get marriages back to that, the divorce rate will decrease tremendously. We have got to demand purity first with ourselves in the Lord's church and then we have to demand it around us. Had a conversation just this last week. Invited to an event coming up. The person says, Oh, we can drink some wine and dance and have a good time after the event. I'm like, you know I'm a preacher, right? I said, you just invited a preacher to go get drunk and dance on top of the table. Well, you, don't, you think it's wrong? I really don't know what the Bible says about that. I just heard a song one time that said that Jesus drinks wine. That was a conversation I had. Oh, it just opened a great door for me. I mean, we said we had a long conversation. But the sad part of that is on the other side of that conversation, I had a member of the church not too far from where we're sitting this morning say, I don't look at drinking alcohol like most people do in the church of Christ. That is shameful to the church. I'm sitting here trying to teach someone and a member of the church Yes, it makes me angry. That's where we are in our society. We are split in the Lord's church. Some people say, oh, it's okay for me to talk this way. Oh, it's okay for me to drink a little alcohol. Oh, it's okay for me to go do this and do that. It is not okay if God says it's wrong. That is point blank period. And we need to live up to what God is saying and not what society is saying. And you can read the screen. They end up diseased physically and spiritually. Schools are pressured to to lower the age of of the limit for sexual education. Why? Why? Because I'm going to tell you what, down here at Gainesville Elementary, at kindergarten through third grade, they know a whole lot more than what you knew when you was in kindergarten. Because they draw it out on paper. And they tell tell us about it. They tell us about what you're letting them watch at home. They're telling us about what their parents are doing at home. Our society is reeked. With this stuff, and it should upset us that we start demanding these things. Number one in our lives, but around us. Fornication is sinful. First Thessalonians 4 and 3 through 7. Because God did not call us to uncleanness. 1 Corinthians 6 and 18, flee, fornication. Every sin a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Petting is sinful. We've got this idea that, and and, and I don't know what they call it nowadays, but when I was growing up, they called it making out. Another word for that is petting. Drove a bus yesterday. Had to separate two kids. Why? Why? You know why? They have no regard for self-value, protecting themselves. We've got young people who are going out here looking for mates and they're taking and jeopardizing and forgetting all that they've been taught. I'll reiterate it again, young people, when you get married, you marry a Christian. You teach them before you marry them. And don't think they're going to change. And don't build them up to be something you think they are that they're really not. I've had conversations recently and in long term with young girls and young boys. Oh, they're this, they're this, they're this, they're this, they're this, they're this. They're this. And me knowing the whole time, all you got to do is go look at somebody's social media account. That's all you gotta do. You wanna know a lot about a person? Just go look at their social media account. Look out who they hang around with. That tells you a whole lot about a person. But we got our young girls and young boys saying, oh, they're good people. Just to make themselves feel good. Oh, you need you can teach them. I'm not saying you can't change them. But you better make sure it's what's best for you and what God wants for you. We need to protect ourselves. For time's sake, we must make it plain to those around us that these things are wrong and sinful. If we fail to do that, we are our children, will our children be overrun? We and our children will be overrun. This morning... What must I do to be saved? Be baptized today for the forgiveness of your sin. You hear the word. Your faith has led you to believe that he is the Christ. You believe that he died for you. Repent of those sins. Confess his name before men and be baptized and live for him faithfully. Maybe you need to confess then this morning Maybe you're not guilty of those things that we've talked about this morning, but maybe sin has overtaken your life. And you need to demand more purity and demand more cleanliness and godliness in your life. Maybe you need to do that. Because there is coming a day that the Lord's coming back. And, the, and it's so easy. It's so easy for we in the Lord's church to get involved in those things. Because it's our friends who are doing them. It's the people we work with. It's our family. And it's easy. But we can't. We can't do that. So this morning, whatever your need may be, please come, as together we stand and as we sing.